Ever wonder the true power of sports? Well, you come to the right place. Welcome to the Sports for Social Impact podcast. I'm David Thibodeau, and I believe that by exploring the intersection between sport and society, we can better leverage the sport industry for maximum impact. We explore what sports true power is to understand the impacts on and the impacts of sports on society. Join me as we learn how sports can influence important policy areas such as the environment, transportation, education, and so much more. In October 2022, Yanis Sub and the Global Esports Federation joined forces to launch and grow the Esports for Development movement. This strategic partnership is focused on social issues and advancing the United Nations Sustainable Development Agenda. The primary aim of the Esports for Development movement is to accelerate the contributions of the global esports community and industry to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So to talk about this partnership, to talk about this movement, we bring in uh, Rahul Brisanot, who is the Chief Commercial Officer with the Yana Sports Hub. He joined Yana Sports Hub following 10 plus years of strategic planning and fundraising consultancy with sport organizations and NGOs around the world. So this is the first time we really talked about esports on the podcast. So it was, you know, it's definitely a, an interesting um, space for the the sector to be moving into, and definitely a really large untapped uh, capacity that we can um, you know reach into and maximize sports impact. So have a listen to this episode, and uh, hopefully we'll get you thinking about new ways of trying to incorporate esports into your own. Uh, sport programming, or starting your own esport initiative. The Paris 2024 Olympic Games are now just over a year away, and Le Monde, a French newspaper, has been covering this, you know, the progress, the status. I think quite extensively. Um, you know, every time I go online on the website, uh, they always have different articles, different interesting articles about the games. Um, but so the one that really caught my eye for this new segment was actually about uh, the status of ticket sales for the 2024 games. Uh, so I thought it was really interesting. So the Paris 2024 games, they are trying to be the most open and accessible and affordable games in, um, in history. So they're trying to sell 10 million tickets. They're trying to get $1.2 billion in sales. Um, and so far, they've sold 6.8 million tickets. So t- to me, that seems like they're well on their way to making 10 million or t- uh, yeah, 10 million tickets. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's a lot compared to previous Olympic Games already or um, you know, if, if, if that's normal. But yeah, so you know, they've already sold 6.8 million. 5.2 million of that has been to the general public. 1.6 million is for, uh, you know, has been sold to different Olympic committees, different organizations and, uh, you know, like uh, countries and, and nations and things like that. Interesting stuff. So of these 10 million tickets, they're trying to, as I said, you know, they're trying to be affordable. So for, they want 4 million tickets to be under 50 euros or 50 euros and 50 euros and under. So about 40% of all tickets will be relatively cheaper. But what really caught my eye in this article was that there was some interesting demographics on who's been buying the tickets. 
So first, it talks about the countries. So, you know, uh, the number one country who have two tickets have been sold to are is France. So 63% of all tickets have been sold to people in France, with 27% of people being of tickets being sold to other countries. Tickets have been sold to, uh, have been bought by residents of 178 countries in total. So in second place after France was the United Kingdom, third was the United States, fourth was Germany, and fifth was the Netherlands. It also talks about the different ages for who's bought the tickets. 25 to 34-year-olds is 29% of the tickets. 35 to 44 is 25%. 45 to 55 is 20%. 55 to 64 is 12%, 16 to 24 is 10%, and 65 plus is 4%. It also gives a gender breakdown. So the majority of ticket buyers have been male at 53%. That, you know, that's pretty even. I think 53 to 47% male-female split is, is pretty um, pretty even. But I thought it was interesting that the biggest um group of people are you know more younger um i think it really goes to show that you know gen z and you know younger millennials really believe more in experiences you know they they want to experience these things they want to be part of these things it you know it really goes to show that that's what they value right so i've heard time time again um do young people care about uh the olympic games do young people care about sporting events like this and I think that this goes to show that, yes, they do. Um, you know, obviously these stats can change. They're still, they still want to sell another 3.2 million tickets, so it could change more. But um, yeah, I, I, I think, yes, young people want to have these kind of experiences. They want to be part of, um, they want to ha- be part of something bigger than, than themselves. And they don't care that much about material possession as much as previous generations have. So Interesting article. The article is linked. It is in French, but uh, definitely interesting to give it a read. And that is the news for this episode. Welcome today to my guest, Rahul Bissonot, who is the Chief Commercial Officer for Yonos Sports Hub. Uh, Rahul, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Um, tell us a bit about yourself to start off. Hi, David. Yeah, great. Uh, and thank you for, for having me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, thanks for the, the, the introduction. Um, I am actually relatively new to the Unis Sports Hub and, and Unis World. Uh, joined in September, actually, uh, after 11 years uh, in, in the kind of sport for development sector, uh, working in consultancy around strategic planning and, and, and fundraising for sport for development organizations all over the world. Um, joined Unis Sports Hub. Uh, in, a, in a new capacity really to try and help us grow our work, diversify the, the organizations we, we're working with and, and increase the number of programs that we're, that we're delivering for, for young people and, and athletes around the world. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to have you on. So, and so right off the bat, you know, I think you were part of the, uh, part of the leading charge from what I understand for the eSports for Development uh, project with Young Sports Hub and the uh, Global eSports Federation. So, you know, part of, you know, when you were just saying that you're talk, talking about diversifying the people you reach, talking about the diversifying the, the group that you that you work with. So what is this partnership with 
the Global Esports Federation. Sure. So, I mean, I, I can't take any of the credit. So I, I joined probably just around the time when we were in the final stages of um, negotiating the, the partnership or for formalizing the partnership between UNIS Sports Hub and, and the Global Esports Federation. Um, it, it, effectively, it's come from a, a series of discussions over the last couple of years, I guess, particularly in, in light of the pandemic um, and the, the rapid uh, growth of gaming and esports. Um, you know, I, obviously, as I, I'm a gamer myself, uh, and you know, it's it's not necessarily a new a new concept around around esports, but I think it's pretty clear that in you know since the onset of the pandemic and and since then the how quickly uh, the esports world has 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 grown, the hundreds of millions of players around the world, the the media interest, the sponsorship interest, it's you just felt like the right moment to be having conversations with the global esports federation around around social impact around purpose um and thinking about how do we i guess replicate not necessarily replicate but learn from the the use of sport for good um and the, the movement that that's been there you know for the last how, however many years and think about how do you take learnings from that um and apply it to the the esports e world, um, which of course there is so many organisations already using esports and gaming for good, but how do we uh, bring that all together under the banner of the Global Esports Federation? Um, kind of mainstream the the social purpose within the within the industry, and then also because it's still at that kind of um, it's still in its nascent stage it's still early in its uh, i guess uh, life um how can we apply principles of social business from the unis ecosystem into the esports for good landscape so what one of the fundamental challenges we have within the sport for development world which i'm sure i'm sure you, you'll be familiar with is you know around around fundraising and, and income generation and diversity of income for, for sport for development organizations because the majority of them have come as a result of you know individuals or volunteers setting up some really cool impactful initiatives around the world you know kind of hand in mouth on many many occasions like asking for donations uh, trying to secure grants trying to secure corporate sponsors but there's always been a almost a, like an afterthought to the rest of the sport industry um we're still in the early stages of of the esports movement, I guess. Um, so now is actually a really good time to think about actually if we are going to use esports for good and, and gaming for good, how do we right from the start embed principles of of social enterprise, social business into the the, the fundamental model um, so that actually organisations and, and projects that use esports for good are not or don't become reliant on grants and donations in the in the long run so how do we take aspects of entrepreneurship um the ver the various mechanisms of um payment and, and sponsorship we already, already exist within the, the esports world and apply that in a way that allows mm -hmm. us to really grow a movement around esports for, for development right right so is there a specific um is there a specific like definition of esport that you're using for this partnership or is it any any sort of esports can can um not not apply um i i guess submit their project to this to this uh to this partnership to this uh partnership mapping 
So, I mean, effectively, anyone can, uh, any organization or project that uses gaming and esports for good can um, can be considered part of the movement. Um, I guess the, you know, the, the definition is one that we would uh, follow from, you know, the, the Global Esports Federation around competitive gaming specifically. Um, but, you know, in actually the, the use of esports for good, we can we can be a bit more liberal in terms of how we, how, how we right. define it, for sure. Yeah. So, so why esports? Like, why do you think esports is um, like? Why do you think there's capacity for good through esports? Like, what what is the? And you know, maybe we can talk about some of the examples too that you've seen through the project. But um, yeah, like, what what capacity does esports have for good? Sure, I, I think to be honest, the, the main uh, the main appeal, I guess, from a from a Unis um, environment and the Unis perspective is the the audience uh, i think it's you know the the, the fact that predominantly and, and obviously not exclusively but predominantly we are talking about uh, players and and audience members who are um under the age of 35 and and, and i'm saying predominantly and then of course I, I i'm at the upper end of that so um yeah we, we won't get too much into ages but predominantly we're talking about the future generation we're talking about people who are under the age of, of 35 who um are the are the future leaders of our of our world? Are there people who can have an impact on society in in, in a positive way? Um, and primarily, one one way of reaching them is through uh, games and through through esports. Um, so, I mean, secondly, I think the fact that it's digital first, and you know, the the global reach um, that it, it has a global reach that maybe some, some sports um, and the more traditional sport industry doesn't have. Um, and, and and also a different audience because we're talking mm -hmm. about yeah it, there's it's, there's so much variety in terms of uh you know in terms of, in terms of games in terms of competitions in terms of um, the way in which people interact and, and communicate online that um the, the possibilities are, are really endless in terms of how it can seep into people's um, lives and no matter where that where they are in the world and different formats and yeah, all, all these kind of things so it, it's primarily an, an audience and and and, and player driven. I guess um, motivation, right? That if we can uh, mobilize these people to um, who, who already are obviously very passionate about the world and 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 social purpose and um, more socially mm -hmm. conscious than perhaps other generations that have come beforehand, if we can reach them in their in their homes in a way that maybe um, the sport industry cannot always do, um, then the the potential to, to change the world and have a and, and build a socially um impactful industry is, is greater mm -hmm. so i was actually looking at some of the um the featured projects that were listed um on the esports for development website and some of the impact focus was on tackling poverty hunger health and well-being education and uh gender equality i don't know if you could tell me anything about you know pick one of the projects that you, if you know about any um and could tell us a little bit about how exactly they're using esports for you know impact in, in one of those areas sure i, th I think um right right from the start we didn't want to um focus in on any particular uh, social issue because we sure. felt that um to start with really i guess over the there, there are already so many initiatives or so many examples of organizations that are whether those are publishers whether those are groups of gamers whether those are yeah, um, community organizations that are using esports within their um, delivery of their, their activity. There are already so many organizations who are doing it and doing it well and, and 
and impacting on so many different social issues that the first thing we wanted to do and we're still we're very much still in that that stage of is understand actually uh, what's happening what's already taking place what learnings can we take from um, the, the activities that are already happening and try to bring them all under one one mm. umbrella so you know there are so many different member federations uh, within the esports world and the gaming world there are lots of organizations trying to position themselves as the uh, um, i guess governing uh, entities around around esports um that we felt that working with the global esports federation to firstly like, try and gather as many projects as possible and and, and bring all the learning together into one place uh-huh. is the most sensible place to to start so we we we're using the sustainable development goals as a as a relatively straight straightforward framework in which to you know it's it's commonly uh, accepted now yeah it's, it, people are, fam- are familiar with the vernacular as a as a framework for uh, I guess mapping projects and what's happening against uh, from a you know, the, against the SEGs from where they're mm-hmm. having an impact impact um, but I, I we haven't yet I suppose got into that phase of actually what's what's really great practice what's what versus what's not great practice because mm-hmm. i think that that first stage of mapping as many initiatives and incentivizing as many initiatives as possible to to actually play a part in the to, to, to contribute towards the movement more centrally um is the is the first and, and probably the most significant challenge I think. okay and so is there a timeline or like a deadline for when anybody can submit their their projects to this like i you know just thinking if anybody listening wants to do that has a project they want to submit like is there a deadline that they, that they need to get it in by no there's, there's no deadline so it's like the idea is that hopefully it will grow grow over time and uh, we've had quite a few um we have quite a few submissions on, a, on, on an ongoing basis um I'm not sure when this uh, podcast will be released, but we are actually going live this week with a call for proposals specifically linked to um, a funding opportunity. Um, So we we, we recognize that right at the start, it's quite hard to mobilize a group of um, organizations, projects from from all over the world to contribute to something quite quite central unless there is a particular incentive for them. So the incentive obviously for the global esports federation at the unit sports hub is, is is pretty clear in that we are you know we're trying to map the sector we're trying to influence change we're trying to understand what what impact the sector is having um but from an individual project or organization point of view like you know, why should i uh joe blogs in in, in in canada contribute towards this central um uh, movement so one of the one of the key kind of challenges that we're trying to unlock at the moment is around is around financing and fundraising opportunities so as as, as a motivator as a as an incentive for people to, to be part of the movement and also as something that can um hopefully influence more organizations to think about esports for good as, a, as an activity that they should be engaging in so yeah right right now we're um about to launch a call for a call for proposals um for organizations who are already part of the movement and have submitted a, a joined the platform um, but also welcoming more um, organizations to to submit proposals too okay great yeah so i mean i think i think when this podcast comes out that that request for proposal will already be launched so i will make sure that that's included in the show notes um so everybody everybody listening can go find the link there to to submit um i guess like so i i we were talking about challenges there it just made me think um you know kind of reflect on you know, when you were talking about challenging challenges and stuff, what are there? Do what kind of differences are there in versus like esports versus 
sports, like in terms of sport for development and social business, like, do you find that there's a big difference in terms of like the challenges that they face? Um, like is, is the sector, like, do they face similar challenges or do, do you think they face two, two entirely different sets of challenges? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. I, I think there are, there are some similar challenges. I think, I think financing and fundraising for, um, projects in this uh, arena will always be difficult in whether in sport development or in esports um i think there's a there's potentially there's, there's a perception challenge around esports that so i mean if, if i go back to from a sport for development sport for development perspective for the past you know 20 30 years there has always been a, a perception challenge around trying to convince non-traditional uh, trying to convince funders uh, from the development world to consider sport and uh, trying to convince funders institutions sponsors to consider sport for as a, as a tool for development has always been a challenge is an, an ongoing challenge is one that is you know directly linked to the amount of resources available to, to sport for development organizations because not enough organizations and institutions and individuals in power recognize sport as a, as a tool for development mm. yet but it's but, but but it is working and it is happening and there are resources mobilized to to make that happen um is sport for development is probably you know 20 30 years behind behind that in terms of actually that that perception so firstly we have we're in this stage where we still have to convince um not just investors um institutions from outside of esports but also organizations within it's within the uh, within esports itself that we have to convince some federations some games publishers some publishers some uh, some players or yeah we, we still have to convince people within esports that actually the use of esports for good um can be a thing in its own in, in its own right so and, and that's, that's that's obviously not the case um, across, yeah. across the board but i think there's still an internal awareness and education that still needs to take place uh, in order to convince existing investors in the esports uh, world that esports for good can be a thing um so yeah maybe it's a mm -hmm. the, the, the challenges are probably quite similar but maybe sport for development is just a bit further down the line than than esports mm -hmm. interesting that's, that's really interesting to think about um and how yeah there's, a, there's a, i guess there's still like definitely some perceived um challenges not just for um esports uh, yeah i think i think there's still some work that needs to be done in sport for development like, as a whole like including esports um you know i think a lot of people still don't really know what that is and a lot of people in the sports yeah. sector still don't even necessarily know what know what that is so i think yeah definitely a lot of work to do across the board um but yeah no definitely yeah. Interesting we're, we're seeing sorry i was gonna say and we're seeing a lot of sport for development organizations um take a real interest in in esports and just incorporating it into their their work yeah, yeah. as a as a they might deliver programs that combine uh, esports and, and sport for depending on the communities that they're working in or the people they're trying the people are trying to reach which is fantastic that's exactly what should be happening right um, yeah and then some institutional grant makers from the sport for development landscape are looking at esports and going oh that's really interesting can we can we try and, and fund some some initiatives on, on that side of things and, and actually the, the the call for proposals that we're that we're launching is being funded by a, a more traditional sport for development funder um which is yeah a really interesting development to, to see happen hmm. yeah it's really interesting um yes yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to see what happens out of that um so like once 
once you have, uh, so like through this initiative, through this partnership, once you have, once you've mapped sort of all the, well, not all the existing projects, but, you know, hopefully a lot, a lot of the existing projects, um, you understand their needs, you're building their capacities, and then you're investing in growing those initiatives and trying to grow the movement. Um, what would success look like to you if this was, you know, absolute, if this went a hundred percent, absolutely amazing, what would, what would success look like to you? Yeah. So that, that's a, it's a, good, it's a really good question. I think it's, it's hard to know where, where this will end up. I think, I think when, when we, you know, when we began the partnership and we, um, uh, set out with, you know, what, what, what do we want to achieve over, over the next couple of years? I think that what we would love in the first instance is to develop an equivalent of the, the international platform on sport and development, um, for esports for, for development. So I think one is, is, is there's a, is solving that issue around awareness and perception so that actually esports and, and, and esports for development is considered a uh, a very viable and well-known uh, mechanism for um for development um so that, that we we can solve the aware the awareness uh, challenges we have a single place where anyone who's interested in and in, in esports can go to uh, learn about what's happening in the in the sector. Good practice. What does good practice look like? How can they um, the organizations can learn from from each other and what they're doing? And there are resources and guides that support um, projects and organizations or or people who want to set up projects in the in in the first place. Um, and then there are at least a, a handful of of case studies where we can sh point and show. Um, if you are looking to develop uh, an, an esport for development project, um, here's a roadmap for you to, from start to finish that enables you from, from conceptualizing your idea to understanding who are the appropriate partners, what are the kind of activities you could do, to then sourcing, financing, or developing a, a, a social business model that enables you to yeah. sustain that activity um, for the long term. So. Yeah having that that roadmap really of actually from how do you get from a to z with your with your project and we and and being able to point to at least a handful of, of projects that are really sustainably financed um and are enacting change around the world yeah amazing and 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 yeah i guess like talking about the social business model i guess yeah we, i i think i i did forget to mention earlier that um i have had young sports hub on the podcast before so if you want to go learn more about the social business uh, you know, we're, we're not specifically that, that model. We won't get too much into it in this episode, but you can go back and listen to the episode earlier if anybody's listening and interested. Um, but yeah, I, I guess like, I, I do want to ask your opinion on the social business model and, and how, so your thoughts after working in the sport for development sector for, you know, so I think you said 11 years, um, like how, I don't want to say revolutionary, but how how important, how impactful is this model of operating for the sport for development sector, like in esports? I'm I'm just gonna say sport for development and, and kind of include it all. Um, so yeah, like how do you do you, do you think it's a vital that everybody in sport for development needs to kind of move towards this more sustainable way of financing it, or like what are your thoughts on that? Sure. So I mean, I did. Yeah, my my previous role was, you know, like I said, eleven years in the, in like working in fundraising uh, for sport for development organizations of of all shapes and sizes. So I I don't think that there is any single one um, mechanism for providing uh, a, 
a sustainably resourced project or organization within sport development within esports development within you know the, the rest of the development world I think, I think the key is always um to explore all of your options and to and try and build a diverse revenue model so i think you know, grants have a place within an organization's fundraising model uh, social business has a place within a, an organization's fundraising model individual donors have a place so i think it's it's working out all of the potential opportunities um and um understanding which which ones of those opportunities are short term which ones are long term um where can you best deploy your, your time and resources at, at, at that time um but being aware of all, all of the possibilities and never being too reliant on one over over the other um so i mean yeah mm. obviously at, at the at the unisports we, we we push social business as uh as a, as a mechanism because we believe that not enough but too few organizations within within the sector uh, are, are really utilizing it um but it won't be the right model for, for everyone um so it's just making sure that you're aware of all of your options, you're considering it, and, you, and you're trying and testing different ideas rather than becoming too reliant on any one income stream that, you know, a single a pandemic happens mm -hmm. or a, a single <laughs> uh, a single event can can happen that can fundamentally change you the way the way that you work. Yeah, right. No, no, fair enough. And then, I, yeah, it's just interesting to think about. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess that's, that's everything that I kind of wanted to cover in this with this uh, on this topic of esports for development. So I think I think it was a really fruitful discussion, and I think that we cover a lot of ground. And um, yeah, I hope everybody listening, if you have an esport for development project, you will submit submit your submit your initiative to this so that they can so that they can help keep building this movement and help keep building uh, the impact that you are having. So Rahul, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. And I my last question that I always ask is um, if you have anything you'd like any last messages you'd like to leave everybody listening with <laughs> I, I was not prepared for that one <laughs> <laughs> um I, I think I mean generally within kind of esports e within sport for development one of the main things we do is we probably uh when we, when we, we all believe we all believe yeah really um everyone believes in the power of sport and, and of course esports for, for development and the power of sport for good and we're always preaching it to each other um and i think one thing we need to do as a as a sector is try and preach outside the the sector and, and talk to other organizations other other institutions who um are yet not yet convinced or fully convinced by the, the power of, of of sport and and in this case esports e for, for good um so i think that's that's the one thing i'd encourage everyone to do is to to, to talk to people from outside the sector as much as you can awesome thank you so much Thank you once again to Rahul for coming on the podcast to talk about this eSport for Development partnership between Young Sports Hub and the Global eSports Federation. Now, my key takeaway from this episode, I think it's just you know, really that we need to think about how we can reach new and more people through sport and eSports. And e you know, the whole sport for development sector is about having an impact. And if we're not reaching certain segments of society, then we need to rethink about then we need to rethink how we are trying to reach them and how we're interacting with them and how we can maximize the impact by reaching as many people as possible. 
That's the whole point of sport development. That's the whole point of the sector. So yeah, I, I think my key, yeah, that's definitely my key takeaway. You know, rethinking about how we can engage people, rethinking how we can further our reach and further our impact. So that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk with you next time.